What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. I'm going to lead off the right way this time because in our last episode, I didn't even tell you what the name of the show is. If you're listening and you don't know, this is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. We're here to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies pulling off a nail-biter against the San Antonio Spurs to improve to 54-23 and 23 on the season, 112-111, to and that game nearly put me in the hospital. Yeah, man, I, I figured it was going to be a tough game. Uh, you, you had a desperate San Antonio team trying to get in the play-in, trying to keep pace with the Lakers and the Pelicans, so I knew they'd be playing really hard at coming in, winning four in a row. Um, and the Grizzlies came out, yeah, it looks like they were going to blow them out. Like the thing mm-hmm. that we've seen game after game here lately, it looks like it was going to be a runaway. But every time the Grizzlies got up 14, 15 points, Spurs kind of go on a run, throw a little punch, they get it down to 10, 11. They just couldn't really ever put them away. And I was like, man, eventually one of these runs, they're going to break through. And that's exactly what happened there late in the fourth. And that thing got got scary there, man. They had an opportunity to win it, man. I, I almost had a heart attack on, on that last play, man. But they were, they were able to pull it out. And I still think this is really impressive just for the reasons that I said a minute, a second ago, I think you had a desperate team, you're on the road. Um, and, and the Grizzlies had, I mean, they had a were oppor- opportunity to lock up the two seed in the division and they did that by winning this game. But definitely, I think San Antonio is kind of playing for their life a little bit there. And you go on the road against a, a solid team coached by Greg Popovich and get a win under the circumstances. I still think it's a pretty good win because the San Antonio team, as I, as me and David talked about in the last episode, they always play the Grizzlies tough. I mean, no matter what, I, I don't know what it is about them, but they they always they're able to put points on the board. They get up and down, and they give the Grizzlies a little bit of trouble. But I'm glad they were able to get out, get out with a win, uh, secure that two seed, and first time, man, Southwest Division champions, man. I, I don't think that's something to take lightly. Um, I, I think that's that's really special that they were able to get that done. And again, man, we're we're heading into the playoffs, and I think it's going to be fun. Uh, the team playing well. I got some thoughts on on. What we saw this afternoon uh, from from Grizzlies PR, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Candice, what do you think about the game? Well, I th- I thought the same thing as Isaac. Pretty much, I- I'd echo his thoughts. I think uh, I- we've seen a lot of games here recently where the Grizzlies have gone in and they've taken care of business. So the fact that the Spurs were able to come back and make a run is not of concern to me at all, given the circumstances, like uh, Isaac said, they were a desperate team, right? So they're their team that's just trying to stay alive in the playoffs. And you expected a run, right? You just, that's just kind of what you expected, especially against a Greg Popovich, you know, coach team. Um, they're very disciplined. And so I, I think that it was good that every time, that the, that the Spurs try to make a punch, that they didn't just lose momentum, that generally they were able to punch back. And, and you know, it came down to a, a missed layup by Desmond Bain there at the end. That could have put the game away uh, and probably not made as dramatic as it, as it was. But it, uh, obviously, uh, no layups were going in in the final 30 seconds of that game as uh, Kelvin Johnson missed his, his layup too. So God, that was a great uh, play. All is well. Yeah. <laughs> man, misdirection, man. They they fooled him, man. He got, got to the back. But he, when I saw him slip and, and go through the bats, I was like, man, he's going to get a wide open layup and yep. just didn't get it to go, man. I was like, sigh relief, man. And he got just Desert Bay, got the ball and threw it up. I was like, man, they, they escaped with one there. Yeah. yeah was... I think was... Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, I think it was, I think it was good, though, uh, for us as we built, try to build. Like his forecasting, what Isaac's gonna say is we try to build momentum going yeah. into the playoffs. I think that was an important game to play. I um, I was listening to the Chris Vernon show earlier, and they they mentioned that the Grizzlies hadn't had a like a 
close competitive game there down the stretch in about three weeks, well, well two, three weeks, since the next game, basically, at, at the FedEx Forum. And so it had been some time since the fourth quarter result had been in question whether it was a win or loss. And I think you need these games down the stretch. Yeah, it, 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 did, feel, it did feel weird. Like, we haven't had a game like that in, right. like in forever. So I hadn't, I hadn't felt like that in a while, man. It was weird to see it kind of come down to the last possession. We haven't had a whole lot of those this year. That used to be Grizzlies basketball. Like, in years past, that's what it was like every game it felt like. But we haven't had a lot of those this year. You know what else would have sealed this game well before that freaking layup by Desmond Vane? Dylan Brooks not sucking from the free throw line last night. I yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he went there and missed two, man. I was like, what is going on? That I know that I talk about free throws every single show. I apologize, but it's one for four from Dylan Brooks is just nuts. You know, he, he's an 80% free throw shooter. And when he missed up both of them, like back to back, I'm like, what? Oh, I thought at that point when he missed those, I thought that they were going to lose the game. I'm like, that's going to come back to bite them. Luckily, Desmond Bain was able to make that read defensively to contest that layup, and so that, that was yeah. huge by him. So some of the adjustments that you watch Pop make in that second half really got to the Grizzlies and threw them off. They, they went to that box and one, and yeah. Taylor Jenkins mentioned that in the post game about how the Grizzlies have not faced that in a long time with the box and one. So that was something they had to make adjustments to, but that's what great coaches do. They put their teams in a position to win and pop switching to that box and one really gave the Spurs the momentum they needed to get that push where they made this a game. Another thing that generally doesn't happen very often is the Grizzlies bench getting outplayed. They didn't get outscored, but you look at the Spurs bench comparatively to the Grizzlies, the Spurs bench were a plus 37, and the Grizzlies collectively were a negative 11. So generally an area where the Grizzlies are stronger than other teams, that was not the case last night. And again, super happy they came away with the win, but this one is one that definitely could have got away from them. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely could have. But as I said last night after the game, and Candace kind of talked about it a second ago, I, I think they needed this. I think you going to the playoffs, you blowing every team out, and that's great. It's great to go in and, and win games easy like that. But I think it had been a while since they really had to, to execute it and fight for a game out in the stretch. Uh, and I don't think you couldn't get any closer to this. Uh, but I think in the long run, this is going to be going to be good for them uh, to, to have a game like this and able to come out come out with a win I think and again I think it's impressive because I think that San Antonio team was desperate and you saw that in their play I mean you could tell Dante Murray I mean he barely sat down I mean, he took him out I think for, for two two plays and he came right back in I mean he was gassed out there still trying to trying to push through man they were really really trying to win this game man the crowd was, was into it and just a, just a, nice to come out of there with a victory but but shout out to, to Tyus Jones man the, the game that he had last night which 25 points, five rebounds, yeah. six assists, two steals, uh, 10 of 21 for the field, super efficient, knocked down five threes, five of 10, 50%, 36 minutes. Uh, just a tremendous game, man. Got Had a scare there right before the half. Kind of kind of hurt his hand to jam his finger a little bit. Um, and I was kind of worried about that. I was like, man, this is definitely not what we need. Definitely can't afford to, to lose ties for any time right now. Luckily, he was able to come back in the game. Hopefully, it's not anything that's going to keep him out any time. We see the injury report. Came out quite lengthy uh, injury report that was dropped this afternoon for tomorrow night's game, and he is doubtful with a sore hand. Hopefully, it's more of a, a rest type thing than anything that's going to keep him out. He kept playing, so I assume that it's probably probably all right. If there was anything they were super concerned about, they probably wouldn't have put him back in last night. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I wanted to go back to a point that uh, that that uh, David made earlier about the free throws. I know he's a free throw uh, advocate here on this show. <laughs> <but> I, <laughs> I just I just wanted to quickly bring up the point that that's not the first night that Dylan struggled from the free throw line against the Warriors. I just went to pull a box, the box score up um, against the Warriors. He was two for four. He missed a couple of and one opportunities on that game, too. So I'm hoping that this isn't a, a trend from Dylan Brooks. Uh, we generally count on him to be one of our better free throw shooters in any, at a year where we're we've been down on free throw shooting in general we really need for our elite free throw shooters to be that and that's that's dylan brooks yeah it's i i was you know jokingly so i do talk about him a lot and that this is just it's not that i watch the game waiting for a dude to miss a free throw like ah! <laughs> there it, it is it doesn't go down like that but but it was it was it was it's yeah it's a trend we'll see how it happens uh friday but i mean you know like dylan Dylan brooks is a career uh like 80 percent 84 percent right this year or this season it's just it's weird to see when you it's especially the the drop-offs that we've seen from those guys but it's to me i i think that when the I want to be optimistic in the fact that I think that when the time comes, they're going to be able to do it. Usually Dylan Brooks is on the floor. If there's a technical foul, he's the one out there shooting the free throw and rightfully so it's just kind of a a fluky thing to where last night he missed three out of four. And it's, I, I know nobody cares about my fantasy team, but I had a choice of who I wanted to play between, uh, Clint Capella and Dylan Brooks like that. That was the two I was trying to decide between, and I had been dropping in free throw percentage in this league. I'm like, oh, I'm going to play Dylan Brooks because he's a better free throw shooter. Dylan goes one for four and Clint Capella goes two for two last night. I'm just like, oh. Yeah. Sounds like my, <laughs> best, sounds like my parlays, man. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> sounds like my parlays. But. We, we, we're getting it from every angle. I, um, Isaac can't hit a parlay. <laughs> he, he gets 18 well, I mean, out of 19 three, and I, misses yeah, on that I'm, last I'm three one. days in a row right now, man. I'm on a yeah. heater, so it's gonna end tonight though it didn't get the one tonight but uh do it do it better than i have been doing for sure i gotta say i i'm super impressed at what dejounte murray has been able to do he had a great he's having a great season obviously but he's not known to be a three-point shooter he was six for nine from three last night that seems to be something that he's adding to his game and he's already dangerous he's a guy that's super quick off the dribble. He can get downhill fast. You know, he, he doesn't have the explosiveness that you see from John ja Morant, but he, he's a guy, if he's got the ball in his hands, I have no problems. There's no concerns on my part about him getting downhill if that's what you need him to do. And adding that, you know, adding the three ball is going to make him even harder to stop. And, and like Isaac said, last night he was off the floor. I know at one point in the fourth quarter there, they pulled him off. And yeah. they, the ball went up and down the floor twice. Put, put and him right back in, and he goes right back in. It, it was, it was like it was not even thirty seconds of game time. He was off the floor. Man, I just realized that game went to overtime. The Bucks that get off the subject. Bucks and Nets. Like I hadn't even realized it went to went to OT. After they come back, they were down by nine when I stopped watching it. They rally back. Yeah, yeah that's, that's crazy. Man. I had I had no idea that game was in OT, but that was a little bit off subject. But uh, to get back to <laughs> To the Grizzlies, uh, outside of the free throw shooting, I thought Dylan Brooks had a fantastic game last night. Highest plus minus on the team at plus six. Um, he was super efficient, man. 21 points, six rebounds, four assists, nine of 17 from the field, two of six from three uh, in 31 minutes plus six. And not a good night for the Dylan Brooks. 
it's messing up the offense. The people that kind of feel that way, not a good night for them. I mean, he passed the ball, had four assists, I think, made some made the right passes, made the right reads, had some big shots, hit that big uh, long two there late in the game that I think kind of propelled them to victory. If he hadn't hit that shot, they'd probably go on to lose that game. I, I thought he played really well, really good defense uh, at, at times last night. And I think it was like vintage DB. He looked – that was a, a Dylan Brooks game. Uh, that's the kind of games that you want to see from him in the playoffs. So I was really encouraged what I saw about that, man. Just got to knock those free throws down. But other than that, man, I thought he was fantastic last night and a big reason why they were able to walk out of there with a victory. Yep. Yeah, you were able to see him. He's starting to get his rhythm back. He's starting to get, you know, on both ends of the floor. I think he's starting to really make an impact. Uh, you, you know, like like you said, I, I was really impressed with his passing, especially at one pass in particular to to Stephen Adams in the paint. And he could have just yeah. taken that one. I mean, yeah. any old Dylan. I mean, he was he he was open. It wasn't a bad shot if he would have taken that, but he passed it up for a better shot. And that's exactly what you want to see from Dylan. And I think that it just like you said, it just justifies the crowd that really felt like Dylan wouldn't be the black hole that some people uh, thought that he would be. It's not, he's not shown that he's refused to be, to play a role or to pass the ball. Um, he's just sort of taken over when he feels like nobody else has got it. Um, and so I, it's good to see, it's good to see from him because we'll need an efficient version of him this year. Like we did last year when he played in that uh, playoff series against Utah. I, I know that analytics are against the mid range jumper, but if Dylan Brooks never shot another off-the-dribble three in his life, I would be completely fine with it. You get him operating 15 to 18 foot, he's automatic, man. He's, Money, man. Yeah. That is his range, 15 to 18 foot off the dribble, and he's knocking those shots down consistently. And, I, you know, I, I'm kind of jokingly saying if he never shot an off-the-dribble three again, that's just – giving him credit to his catch and shoot ability. He's much better on catch and shoot threes. And I'm not trying to gas him up too much, but I, I would rather see him take the shots, the, the mid range off the dribble, than take a three off the dribble because I have extreme confidence when he's taking that mid range off the dribble that it's fallen. And a lot of times when he's taking the dribble, like the threes off of the dribble, I'm like, mm, I don't know that that was the best shot. But again, you kind of live with, the good and the bad, the, the positives that he brings to the team night in and night out, it, there, there's going to be a lot more positives than negatives. Going back to even the Golden State game, he didn't end up with any assists in that game, but he had three passes in that game that were fantastic. He passed the guys open, and the, the guys that he passed it to just didn't finish. There were two to, uh, to Tillman and one to Steven Adams in that game where he hit them down low, and they, they just were not able to finish. But he, he set them up. It was a great pass from him. And that's something that we heard from him early in the season. He's like, you know, coach has got me passing the ball now. So, you know, it makes me even harder to guard. And we're getting to see that. And I, I'm, as a Dylan Brooks fan, the, the Dylan Brooks Island, there's a number of us on it. But, you know, I, I'm happy for those things to be showing up in the score sheet because you don't always, you know, the, the three that he missed, the three missed shots in that Golden State game. He doesn't get credit for it because they didn't finish it, but he made three really, really good passes in that game that should have been assist, just didn't pan out that way. Yeah, and just to piggyback off that point, I think it's really important the type of assist that he's getting in particular. As you mentioned, they're going to the big man in the post, um, and I think that's really important when it comes to getting Jaron going. 
uh, when it comes to maybe not getting Steven Adams going, but just to just to give some diversity and some uh, some range to our offense in terms of making sure that we get particularly Jaron involved in the game. We mentioned we mentioned that earlier when he first came back, a couple of assists were to Jaron Jackson Jr. And that made a big difference. And I think in him throughout the game. And so if we can get Jaron engaged early and if Dylan Brooks is the one guy to do that, I, I think he's probably been you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, he's been the one I've more consistently seen do that. I think over the others to this point. And so uh, if he can keep us, keep that going, that'll make a huge difference for us down the stretch. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I think his facilitation when, when he make, he can make great passes because he's going to draw the defense. Defense is going to key in on him and he, he can drive and kick and make those plays. And he's made some great ones. You talk about that pass he made to, to Stephen Adams last night that, that Candace talked about had an opportunity to shoot a jumper there and then passed it up and gave it up to Stephen Adams for a better shot. And you talk about that mid-range game from Dylan. The thing with him is he doesn't need any room to get those shots off. He can fade away these little weird little shots that he gets. He doesn't take any. It doesn't take any room, and he does a great job of just finding ways to get those shots off. And he knocks them down. It's, he's a weapon when he gets inside that little mid-range man. He can get those shots pretty much anytime he wants to, and they're hard to they're hard to guard. I mean, because he doesn't need a lot of room like a lot of guys need room to get those shots off. He really doesn't. I mean, he's on orthodox, the way he can fall off one foot, leaning back. I mean, he just has all kind of ways to get those shots off, and that's going to be really, really important in the playoffs. And I think that helps the, the offense overall, and that's a dynamic that they have been missing early in the year, and I think that's going to make things easier for, for Ja when he gets back, uh, that they have another guy that can create it and make shots like that. Yep, it definitely improves that half-court offense that we used to kind of pound on before. Sure. It's, it's much improved, and I think it's exactly because of what you said, Isaac, and that's just that that Dylan Brooks can can make some contested shots, especially in that mid, mid-range. And so the, the the target in the game plan is going to be, at least initially, to, to stop Ja from getting the ball. And, and you can do that all day long, but then you're going to hit, get hit from Dylan Brooks. So you got Desmond Bain, and if Melton keeps shooting at this clip, whew, my goodness. Um, we're going to, you, that's just a championship coming, coming down on Bill street. But, uh, but anyway, we've got options, so to speak. And so you really kind of have to pick your poison with it, with this team, the way they're playing. And so I'm hoping to see them put it all together. Um, I wish I only, my only regret for this season is that the, our starting lineup, our intended starting lineup can play more games together. Uh, but I, I think just from what we've seen from progress in each individual player, they should be able to put it together when the playoffs come. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, I think that I'm not so much concerned about the starting lineup. I would like to see. I think the chemistry is going to be there between them because they've played so much over the last couple of years together. But that that is – it's going to be something to watch. Is there going to be any kind of hesitation from one guy or the other as they figure out how it's going to flow when everybody is there? Um, but, but I'm confident that these guys have played together enough. With, with the – you know, Steven Adams has not – not been there for the the two years, but all the rest of these guys have. So I, I feel like they're going to play well off of each other. This team is just it's clicking right now. Since the All Star break, they're uh, top seven. They're seventh in offensive rating. Actually, they're tied with the Nets. So sixth, seventh, however you want to put that at one eighteen point nine. And then they got the best defensive rating in basketball. And that's something we we've we've watched kind of fluctuate throughout the year of. The, you know, the defensive rating going up and down and, and you that that's almost like the barometer for the team when their defense is when they're playing at a high level on the defensive end, they're winning games. And that's that's where they are right now. As you close out 
this season. And the, you know, what are they now? 19 and two without John Morant on the floor. It's incredible to watch from where we started where, where the Grizzlies started at the beginning of the season to where that defense is now and how everything just, it's a well-oiled machine. In, in, in that spirit, I do want to talk about when you talk about chemistry and, and guys playing together, I, I was really looking forward to tomorrow night's game because I felt like it would be a, a great measuring stick to see where you are. I know you don't have John Morant, but again, this team has time and time again been able to, to beat teams, even really, really good teams, championship contending teams, and the defending champion Bucks, Bucks without John Morant in the lineup. So I was like, man, this is going to be a, a really good game to kind of see where we're at. I had a feeling that they, that they might decide to rest guys, but the injury report came down today, man, and they're sitting so doubtful. Stephen Adams is doubtful. Desmond Bain is doubtful. Uh, Jerry Jackson Jr. is doubtful, as well as Tyus Jones. And I was hoping that wasn't the case, but it looks like that's going to be the case. And look on the other side, and Phoenix has the best record in the NBA, and they're not resting anybody. I, I saw after the game, just the Warriors uh, in the postgame last night, they were – kind of talking about it and you could tell that they they don't plan to rest anybody they're they're going to put the pills in the belt or they have opportunities to i think it's the the nba road record uh they have a chance to break that uh the, the how many wins the team has on the road they have an opportunity to break the all-time record there and they're going to go for it and the grizzlies have an opportunity to break their franchise win record and i wish they would push it down the stretch i, I understand this is kind of how a, a lot of teams and a lot of people just handle things these days but I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. I think you got three days off after this game. I, I just don't know, especially if, if you're going to rest, guys, I think you should stagger it a little bit. And they're like resting the house to, tomorrow night, man. They're just kind of kind of waving a white flag on this one. I hope they'll even still get the victory, but it's going to be tough, especially with Phoenix not resting anybody. What, what do you guys think about resting guys? Like I know, and you knew what, what the way this team operates, that they were going to do it at some point, but I, I didn't think they would rest this many guys in one game. They're just kind of, kind of pretty much punting on this what, what do you guys think about that well I, I i agree with you i would like to see them still uh push down the stretch and maybe not rest as many guys i i can only the one perspective with which i can kind of understand is Tyus getting hurt Tyus, yeah in, in that last game and so yeah. maybe they were planning on you know kind of pushing down the stretch because they you know, it is. I mean, Ty, Taylor Jenkins said he didn't care about getting the second seed. But yeah. now when they get the second seed, they're arresting players. So I think it might have had more to do with seeing a player get injured and and not wanting to risk that in game. Knowing that they will be, I know they will be real rested in between games, but you never know what can happen in game like with what happened with Tyus. So the only justification I have, I am with you overall, Isaac. I prefer to see a team um, really not lose momentum and rhythm down the stretch. I think I will – Here's my main problem. If they rest them this game and they play them the next game, I think I can live with that. Uh, at least it keeps them somewhat a rhythm and gets a little bit of space between them, but but not too much where they just kind of, you know, I don't want to see them resting these guys for the rest of the season. I do not want to see that. Um, so, so that's where I stand. If you rest them for this game, it gives them almost a full week of rest. I don't expect, and the reason the Grizzlies are off after they play this game against Phoenix, they're off again um, until Tuesday. Tuesday. So I, I don't expect all four of these guys that are listed as doubtful to not play. If Tyus Jones and Desmond Bain both don't play, are we starting Zaire Williams at point guard? Like that, that's that, not that, interesting. Yeah, 
It is. I was I was worried about that. And I didn't know if maybe they saw Melton as that guy, but that terrifies me. Yeah, Mel, Melton is not a point guard. And it terrifies there's me. been times when he's had the ball in his hands and he's made good decisions. But if the book he, is Chris Paul. But go ahead. He's, yeah, 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 exactly. Like <laughs> him dribbling into traffic is the most frightening thing that you can see as a Grizzlies fan yeah. because you don't know what the results are going to be. It's either going to yes, be do. like <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you got a pretty good idea of what it's going to be. I, I don't, I don't think that we see all four of these guys rest. I, I feel like either Bain or Tyus Jones is probably going to play in this game, and then we may see them rest in the following game. It, it's I, I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day, and we were talking about how things have changed in the game and the way you see guys doing this load management stuff. It didn't happen that way. You know, you saw but you know, today, like the, the flu game, the flu game never happens in today's game. Oh, no, no. Like th- th- there's, there's no doubt in my mind that he's setting out with the way that, that injuries and stuff are managed these days and that's i I, i'm not a you know all back in my day that's not what i'm going for here but i I just i would like to see them really push for this 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 win limit or not win limit good lord man i can't talk we we got the win franchise record i I really want to see them push for this franchise record and after clinching the division in the two seed i think we're going to see a lot of this doubtful questionable and there's going to be a lot of guys getting some resting time in between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I was having a conversation just like you with somebody earlier, and I was like, man, even 10 years ago, man, you were like load management. They were like, what are you, what are you talking about, uh, load management? But that's just kind of today's game, man. That's kind of what, what they do back in the day. Like you said, they, there was no such thing as load management. You, if, you were, if you were healthy, you played. If you could go out there and walk and, <laughs> and get, a, get, a, get a basketball up, you played. You'd have to – be pretty injured not to play man those guys play through all kind of stuff but it's just kind of the new technology and studies and science that they do <clears throat> excuse me that's just kind of today's game but I, I'm, I'm i'm a rhythm guy like i hated when the all-star break came despite them losing that game to portland they were playing really well going to the all-star break i was like man i hate it coming up right now i know the guys can use the rest you got guys banged up and i feel like they're in a rhythm right now and i hate to see that break broken and you could see that they came back at an all-star break a, a little bit flat. And I just don't want to want to see that happen. Uh, but sports tomorrow night, I mean, they they listed all the guys as doubtful. None of them are questionable. So that kind of leads me to believe that none of them are going to play. I mean, because the, I, you would think if there was any thought of them playing, that some of them would be questionable. They're all doubtful. So hopefully uh, that's, that's real because it's going to be interesting to see what the rotation is. Because, you I mean, you got uh, Bain and, and Tyus out. And you also would have Steven Adams and, and Jared Jackson Jr. out. So those backup minutes would be very interesting, especially going up against a team like uh, like Phoenix. I know that line flipped. I think it was – I think it opened up uh, Phoenix minus two and a half. I think it was minus, Phoenix minus eight the last time I checked. So it's going to be interesting if, if those guys don't play. But, uh, I mean, again, you got three days off after that. Like I, This is one that I really want to see, see them play because, again, it was a measure stick game, and I want to see them – what they could do against Phoenix. So I just kind of hate to see it, especially – with Phoenix not resting you guys. I just don't like to to give a give a team an easy victory, especially when you're talking about number one team, because I think this would have been an opportunity for them to make another statement. So I kind of hate to see it, and hopefully hopefully this is not something they're going to do the rest of the season. I don't want to see them just sitting guys just to be sitting guys the rest of the year 
And as David said, I really would like to see them get that record. I think I test wise, I don't think there's any question that this is the best team in franchise history. I know a lot of people are like, well, they haven't proven anything in the playoffs yet. I, I've watched basketball. I know, I mean, you just tell by all the records that they're they're breaking right now that this is the best team. But I would love to see that solidified in the record books with them having 57 wins. So hopefully they can still pull that off. But uh, again, man, it's going to be tough tomorrow night if those guys don't play. Yeah, and I and I, I do hear you. I just I I remember I, I recall I can't remember what year maybe it's twenty fifteen. Uh, that Tony Allen got injured in a sort of, yeah. kind of like a garbage time game, and I think it really affected the playoff series going forward. And so, you know, I it, it's tough because I can see both arguments for it. For me, I can I don't like it, but I can live with it as long as it's one game. That's that's really where I stand. I just you know maybe you rest. Uh, I know DeAnthony Milton and Zaire that they're gonna play they're gonna play this game. Maybe you rest those guys a final game or just you know but, but just keep 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 the guys in a rhythm you don't want the same guys just sitting out on the rest of the series um speaking of sitting out an injury do you know where we are clockwise on on Jod? are they did they officially announce he's out for the rest of the season or they said two weeks and so are we are we close to that yet or oh uh, i think know? two weeks two weeks would be when they said is. two weeks it, it Today would be before the season, though. Yeah. So Today I, mean, they, they, I was thinking it's been weeks, a couple exactly. weeks. He's supposed to get reevaluated. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that we'll get an update in the pregame tomorrow, but that's definitely a question that's going to get asked because it was it was announced two weeks before the um, Pacers game, mm-hmm. and so that puts two weeks to be exactly today. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking. Oh. I, was, I was thinking it had to be soon, at least. Yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna say if if he does it, if you don't see him back in any of these games before the playoffs. I think that the injury is there's really something going on there. Like if, yeah. if, if, if he doesn't play before the playoffs, I think it's a little bit more than they put on. If it's kind of like what I think it is and it was something going on there, but it wasn't major, but they weren't, weren't going to push it because you're coming out of the playoffs. They like them get rest anyway. I, I expect him to play probably in these last couple games at, at home. If that doesn't happen, then I might be a little bit worried. Yeah, I'm with I'm 100 with you. I, I I sort of lean towards they just wanted to be super cautious, just like I think yeah. they're being cautious about these guys, just making sure that nothing happens to them in game, especially against a team like Phoenix that can be so physical with basketball. Um, so I can I can kind of get that, but but yeah, if he doesn't come back here in the next you know few games, like I said, at the very least the last two games, I, I I'm gonna be concerned. I think there's something serious about that knee. I'm not super concerned about what like the the benefits, risk versus reward of bringing him back during the regular season games. You can't you can't earn anything. You can't gain anything outside of the franchise win record. That's the only thing that's out there. And I I don't think that that is a goal for them. I don't feel like that's something that they – I'm sure that they know about it. We've watched this team, you know, individual records, whether it was Bain with the three-pointers or, or Steven Adams with the offensive rebounds. Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to break the single-season record – Barring injury, obviously, he's at 119, so he's tied it right now for blocks. Um, if he plays one more game, odds are he's going to be the single-season record holder for blocks. i not a huge fan of it, but this is also one like an argument against resting these guys. It's the second youngest team in the league. Exactly. A, a lot of these guys right are, we came are here. you know, four or, five, four or five years away from playing three or four games a day in AAU. So it's not like their body is not conditioned. There's a lot of questions, but based off of what we've seen from this franchise, this front office, this coaching staff, I'm guessing that we're going to see a lot of guys resting between now and the end of the season. 
Well, yeah, I'd I actually. Oh. I was going to say, well, yeah, I, I think I think we will. I think if you go by this franchise history, I, I knew it. And I talked about this earlier, like at the All-Star break. I was like, if they get down to a situation where they're fighting for the two seed and they go down to the last game or fighting for the division or anything like that before we knew that they were going to kind of run away with it. I was like, I wouldn't be surprised to see this team really not care about that. When when you ask Taylor Jenkins about the, the, the standings and the two seed and, and all this stuff, when he says that he doesn't really pay attention to that stuff, I honestly don't really think that's coach speak. I really don't think they were in a lot of coaches. We kind of see in that with Golden State right now that they don't seem to care because I think they're going to fall to four. And if they mess around, man, it could end up falling to five. If Denver catches fire here, they don't seem to care. I mean, they're still resting, play on back-to-backs. And I, I'm i just against that. Like, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't understand. If you have opportunity, especially to reach some tangible goals, man, and you're resting guys that are healthy. Uh, I mean, there'll be Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. I know that, that Clay Thompson's coming off a major injury and, and Draymond Green's getting, getting up there in age, but if you're in a competitive playoff race, man, I don't understand why you're sitting guys just because it's a back-to-back. Like, I mean, these guys, you sign a contract, you 82 games, that's the NBA record season number of games. Sign a contract, man, go out there and play if you're not injured. And I've been kind of surprised the way Steve Kerr is handling this. I'm not mad at it because I'm I want the, the Warriors to, to, to fall to five. I know Candace said that she kind of would, would rather play the Warriors in Dallas. I'm kind of the opposite of that. So, yeah, so I don't I don't have any problem with them falling to four. That's kind of what I want. So I'm kind of kind of glad he's handling it this way. Uh, no, nah, I, I still rather play the Warriors. But but the one, uh, one point I was going to make, uh, David, I actually disagree with you a little bit in terms of bringing the risk reward for bringing Ja back. If nothing else, I'd, I'd really like to see Ja play that Celtics game again. Um, you know, that April April 10th game, that's their last game of the season. I'd, I'd also like to see them play the Nuggets again. Really, we got a lot of playoff teams or the Pelicans, I guess, count as a play, play-in team. But I, I really like to see how they adjust, particularly because the Celtics did a great job yeah. on John Morant. And in terms of exactly what you're going to face in, in the playoffs and in, t- in terms of the type of defense that you're going to face in the playoffs, I'd like to see what kind of coaching adjustments that Taylor Jenkins makes and the team makes, especially with the full starting lineup. I think that's a really important one to see, so I hope they take it as that. So I, I think there is some value in playing in you know, the last – two, three games here down the stretch, even though, you know, I, I know I know health is a factor. I think that still matters to go into the playoffs cold, especially when it might be yeah. as physical of a team as the Timberwolves, what we're looking at right now. The Timberwolves are a physical team. And so you really got to ramp up for that. I know they say that they ramp up, you know, the players as a part of their process, but that that's not the same as game reps, especially playoff like atmospheres in, when you're talking about those kind of game reps. So I think there is a lot more reward, maybe depending on the type of injury. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know, obviously, his, his injury, if there, if there, if it is serious or not. But I think there is more reward than what might appear to be on the surface. Yeah, I think chemistry and rhythm-wise, I think it's that's the value that you get with, with bringing him back. I, I would just hate to see him, unless he just can't play, unless he's injured and he really – shouldn't right. be playing then that's a different story different. but if you just just rested him and he could really be playing I think those last couple games at least gives you two games that will with your full starting lineup because he really hasn't had a lot of opportunity to play with Dylan I mean Dylan came back and then he went back out and that's happened a couple times and you just want to kind of see that full roster for a couple games but you don't want to go in the playoffs and like trying to implement him back in and trying to work 
work through some things. You want to go in the playoffs as cohesive as possible, and I think that would be kind of the value in bringing them back those last two or three games. Yep. All right, you guys just gang up on me. It's fine. I can take it. I can handle <laughs> no, it. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's you made a great point, and, and that that is something that I I 100% agree with the fact that practice reps and and ramping up off the court is not the same as game reps, and you can really see it as in even like going back to summer league stuff. Summer league reps are not the same as playing against. NBA level players. There are a ton of NBA level players in the summer league, but there are also a lot of guys that are not NBA players. And so a guy that is at the level where he should be playing against NBA talent is going to shine against those guys. So definitely, you know, excellent point. We can agree to disagree on that point. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I don't think there's anything major there because I don't remember. I know that Jenkins said that they were doing some some tests for his for, for his leg, and nothing came back. There was nothing structural. So yeah, they said no structural damage out there. I feel like if it was more serious, he wouldn't be out there pregame putting up shots. You know, he's not out there planting and and you know exploding off of that leg or anything like that. But he is out there putting up shots, and I feel like if it was something more serious, that they would have him off of it completely at this point. Yeah, he seems to be in, in, in really good spirits. If he, I, I know how competitive he is. If there was a chance that he was going to miss playoff games or, or something, I don't think he'd be in a mood. I mean, he's still very active on Twitter. He's jumping up and down on the sideline, seems happy. I think he knows that everything's going to be fine. He tweeted out a Kuna Matata uh, several, several days ago now. I think I think it, it, it's not as serious. I think it's more of a just they're sitting him out and being super cautious with it. I think he's fine. Just like David said, he's out there getting up shots before the game and standing up on the bench. If there's anything going on, I don't think they have him out there on his feet like that. So they, they, they be doing a little bit more offloading as Taylor Jenkins likes to say, but, uh, the yeah, game I mean, is still strong. No, yeah, no issues yeah. with that. So take our, take our vitamins, man, and get, get ready to get back out there. <laughs> man, I, I don't really have much else about this, the Spurs matchup specifically. I think we covered it pretty well. Is there anything you guys would like to cover before we get out of here? No, nah, man, we, just, we can run through the, the, the box score a little bit, the, the final stats, team stats. Other than that, I think just uh, I, I was just glad, man, they were able to get out with the win uh, because it was one that I was kind of c- concerned about. It. And then when they made that run, man, I was like, man, I'm – and I told, I think I told you at the end of the third quarter, I was like, I don't like the trajectory of this game. This feels like one of those ones where play real well, you have a big lead, and the other team comes back and they end up winning the game. It just kind of felt like that was going to happen, especially knowing how – desperate they were to win that game so again i still think that's a really impressive victory man he get out of there no matter how you get out of there they put it in the left column man and that's that's what you want to do but uh i'm going to run through the the let's can say anything else i'm going to run through the, the box score real quick yeah no you go right go for it yeah man the grizzlies go 44 91 for 48.4 percent uh san antonio 42 83 for 50.6 percent so with grizzlies by score you always like to see more attempts again that's one of the major ways they win games, get offensive rebounds, second-chance points. So usually when they win games, they usually get more shots on goal. Even when they lose games, they do it. So you'll always like to see that in their box score. 16-39, uh, to 39, man, really good good night from three for the Grizzlies for 41%. 14-35 uh, for 40% for the Spurs. Uh, Grizzlies plus four in temps and plus two and makes the plus six points. So that's becoming a theme, man. The Grizzlies are out shooting teams from three, and that's something that you hadn't seen, man. They've been hot from three lately, hoping that's something that can – carry over to the playoffs. If Melton goes into the playoffs shooting like this, as Candace said earlier, 
man, let's let's key up that parade down Bill Street, man. They're going to have a real chance if he's shooting the basketball away. He's shooting the basketball off the bench here lately. Uh, free throws, 8 of 11 for 72.7%. That's actually a bit of an improvement of what they've done as of late, but still not good enough, man. You'd still like to see that 6, 7 points higher, getting close to 80%, uh, but 8 11 for 72.7%. San Antonio, 13 to 16 for 81.3%. Uh, rebounds, Grizzlies, 40, 12 on the offensive side. San Antonio, 37, 7 on the offensive side. So Grizzlies uh, get to get the, the win there on the, on the, on the glass of assists, 26 for the Grizzlies. San Antonio also with 26 assists, eight steals for the Grizzlies, eight for San Antonio, uh, five blocks for the Grizzlies, one for San Antonio, 14 turnovers for Memphis, uh, 15 miscues for San Antonio, uh, 11 fast break points to 13, and Grizzlies get outscored in the paint, which is something that you don't see. Uh, San Antonio did a really good job of, of penetration, get, getting shot to lane and driving and kick. They get 48 points in the paint to the Grizzlies, 44. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why that, that game ended up being so close because Grizzlies usually don't give up that, that kind of amount, amount of points in the paint or usually they have their games where they have close to double that. They have 75 points in the paint. So 44 is not a good number for them. But again, man, John Durant being out is definitely going to affect that. But you usually don't see them lose points in the paint. They did lose that last night. Yeah, the two two of the best offensive rebounders in the game were playing. Uh, Yaka Pertle is a great offensive Yaka rebounder. Jack Pertle's one. And <laughs> <laughs> Jack Pertle. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Tell you, man, he ever gets traded to the Grizzlies, man. They got he has that has that endorsement. I know it's spelled different, but they can work it out. Yeah, yeah, they they can make it happen for sure. So. I, I, I think Pertle wanted to make a point. He had, yeah, he had to make a point after that uh dunk that he got, you know. Oh man. You know, yeah, yeah, he had a he had a, he had a point. I have forgot about he that. Couldn't go man. down like that. No, I did not. I saw him. I saw him kind of. Kind of going in here, passing the ball around for some reason. I said, oh, he, he's trying to, he's trying to revitalize his, his appearance. <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate you listening. If you if you're on Dash Radio, keep an ear out for us. We are going to be. I will get you guys a day in time. But um, Sports Ethos is going to have a day specifically dedicated to our shows over on Dash Radio. Dash is a, a radio streaming service. They got a number of different channels. So if you're not checking them out, go over and check them out. We will be on there along with the other Sports Ethos shows. We'll go ahead and get out of here. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at David W2111. Candace is going to let you know where you can find her. And then Isaac will get us out of here. Yep, yep. You can find me on Twitter at Seahawks901. That's C is in cat, Hawks901. Post out, David. Oh, sorry, Isaac. Yeah. Oh, you good, man. Lakers hanging in there, man. 36, 33, 1025 left to go in the second. Uh, Utah by three. They got some, they got some problems out there in Utah, man. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that team, but they are not not playing well right now. But we're gonna, I know this is not a, a Utah God, podcast, man. but just want to throw that in there. <laughs> speaking it into existence <laughs> yeah I, I, I was gonna say i brought it up the other night man grizzly fans were like no nah. i'm like y'all are crazy man like it, right you coming. bring up like a superstar player you're like no nah, i don't want him like if you can get donovan mitchell without giving up the any of the big three man you gotta gotta go out and do that but you can find me on twitter at isaac underscore rivals at i-s-a-a-c underscore rivals against grizzlies Looks like going to be shorthanded. Grizz going to take on the Phoenix Suns tomorrow night. It's going to be interesting. See who plays and who does it in that one, how that one turns out. But we'll be back with the post game. Uh, so until next time, we gone.
will conclude our Sports Ethos presentation.